This is Jacob from the New Tradangelization. In this episode, I, uh, I'm interested in responding to Kevin in his latest correspondence episode because, uh, well, he was actually just over at my house and we got a chat for a little bit. But also, I have some thoughts that I would want to um, that I'd want to to give back in in this regard over over uh, over the podcast. So to start off, I absolutely love what uh, what you were saying about uh, the point of the spiritual life being divine union. That is the end of spiritual life is divine union. And I think that really brings up a an interesting corollary. Like if that's the end, then what is the means? If divine union is the end, then what is the means? Um, well, spiritual progress, I think is, is the most logical and obvious answer. I think if the purpose, if the church's purpose is to save souls, the church is, yeah, the church exists to save souls. That is the church's end is to glorify God and save souls. But that those both of those are very similar and they overlap almost entirely. If that's the end, what's the means? Well, the means is the sanctification of souls. I mean, you can only be saved if you're sanctified. You can only be saved if you're in the state of sanctifying grace. And so it would stand to reason that spiritual progress is the purpose of the church. That like That's why the church exists, is so she can teach you how to advance in the spiritual life, how to go through the three stages in the spiritual life, how to navigate the nine levels of prayer, how to navigate mortification, how to navigate you know, the spiritual life. And so I totally agree with you that, that we shouldn't just be externalists when it comes to the liturgy. And one thing that I've been seeing a lot, you were just talking about the fan club, and I think that's such an important issue to address, is that there is you know, a lot of times a traditional Latin mass fan club, and that's something that's very tempting to fall into. Um, even on my end. And I, I've noticed that we, a lot of times, have people on two ends of the spectrum, um, as with almost any issue. But on one end of the spectrum, we, we run into um, sola internal. That's just really bad Latin, Kevin, so don't don't publicly criticize me like what I'm doing to you right now. <laughs> but um, what one thing that you know I'll hear a lot is, if Jesus shows up at the Mass, I'm fine. And I think that negates just how formable we are by our outside external uh, uh, circumstances. I think that's something that that's you know there's something to be said about human nature and how affected we are by our external circumstances. I know uh, I have a friend that whenever I whenever I go and and um, you know this is you know quite a few years ago whenever I would go and spend a weekend with him. I would spend the next two weeks complaining just because this person had such a temperament of complaining. And, like, even just spending a day and a half with him caused me to complain a lot. I'd be driving and I would complain about every driver that I saw. And I realized just how much I, just how formable I am by things that I don't even necessarily want to form me. Those are just my, my surroundings and circumstances. That's something that I see all the time. Even just the music I listen to in the car affects my temperament for the entire rest of the day, sometimes lingers on for the entire rest of the week. I think that's something that we as humans underestimate way too much is just how formable we are by our externals. Um, and so I think that's that's one end of the spectrum is totally ignoring just how formable we are and just how formable our interior life <clears throat> is by external signs. Now, on the other hand, you know, I, I'm sure you can see where we would, what we would see on the other end of the spectrum, but sola externals, Kevin, the Latin's bad, I know. Um, 
but we we see this a lot, and I, I think more so in the traditional movement, we see people very concerned about rubrics and the externals, and complaining about the externals, like bad externals and rejoicing over good externals, but not having a spiritual life whatsoever. And that's just, it's a really sad thing, you know, and I can't necessarily blame the people that, that, um, that do this, you know, some of these are even my friends, and I, you know, it, it's hard to blame them just because they haven't received this kind of formation, but I'll talk to them about mental prayers, be like, what on earth is that? Or I'll talk to them about any kind of spiritual advancement. I mean, these are new things that I've just recently learned. And so we, we can't just focus on, we can't just focus or totally neglect the external, and we can't totally clasp on to the external. Like, the external is important, and I would say necessary for properly informing a normal interior life. And it's so important that your external is forming your interior life. And I think that brings me to my to my most important point is the idea of Lex Orandi, Lex Credendi. Lex Orandi, Lex Credendi, if you don't know, is an old axiom that the church has, has held for a really long time. It means in Latin, the law of prayer is the law of belief. Lex Orandi, Lex Credendi. <clears throat> and basically what's that, what that is positing is that if one prays well, one is going to believe well. And if one doesn't pray well, one isn't going to believe well. And you'll see some sources that'll, that'll say Lex Orandi, Lex Credendi, Lex Vivendi. The law of prayer is the law of belief, is the, and the law of belief is the law of living. So therefore, the law of prayer is the law of living. And, and you know, our, our prayer affects our, our faith and our morality, or our virtue. Um, and I, I would totally agree with that. I mean, if you get prayer wrong, everything is wrong. And if you get prayer right, everything is right. And um, in particular response to to the thesis of save the liturgy, save the world, I think lex orandi, lex credendi is, you know, the, the very um, logic that's used to be able to come to the conclusion of save the liturgy, save the world. But I think a lot of times people will misunderstand the thesis of save the liturgy, save the world. I think a lot of times people have this idea that if we have these external fixtures, if we get public worship right, then everything's going to fall into place. But I, I know from personal experience that getting liturgy right alone doesn't necessitate that things are going to be okay, or even better. And I was explaining this to a couple friends, just talking about how there are two two principal types of prayer, I suppose, and that is liturgical prayer and it's and personal prayer. And liturgical prayer is, is communal personal prayer is obviously private, so public and private prayer. And if we fix you know, if if we say the liturgy, if we really focus on good liturgy, well that necessitates that public prayer is going to be good because public prayer is the liturgy, and if we improve the liturgy, that's just another way of saying improving public prayer. So yeah, if we if we uh, really focus on liturgy and get the externals right in public prayer, it's necessary, or in liturgy, it's necessarily going to improve public prayer because that's just what it is. But improving the liturgy doesn't necessitate an improvement in personal devotion, in private prayer, and in one's own individual um, interior life. And that's what is, you know, by far. I, I think, more important for spiritual advancement. Um, and if that's what the church is concerned about, spiritual advancement, then then that, you know, that's where everything rests. Like, if the church is not teaching you how 
to advance in the spiritual life, the church is failing at her mission. Like that is the church's mission. And that, that is a little bit hard to say just because that's not something that I necessarily want to admit, but I mean, it's, it's an honest truth, but I think knowing that now one can look to the right resources and use that as a litmus test of what to trust within the church and, and where to really place yourself. The church exists to teach you and to guide you in spiritual advancement. And I'm getting a little bit off off track, but I, I think it I think it still fits in well because with, when it comes to Lex Arandi, Lex Credendi, saving the liturgy is what forms our interior life. The liturgy has been historically known as the school of prayer. If you learn how to pray well, then you can pray well. But if you don't ever learn how to pray well, then it's going to be really difficult to pray well. It's the same thing as the school system. You can get great teachers and you can fix the entire system, but that doesn't necessitate that students are going to be better. But it is vitally important to have good teachers and have a good school system. And so I think in that same vein, you know, fixing the liturgy isn't going to necessitate a fixture in in the, the spiritual lives of everyone that's attending, but but improving on the liturgy and, and really being able to... Um, to participate in, in, in more beautiful liturgy and objectively higher worship. You know, that's, that's what we're doing is in, in the liturgy, we're publicly worshiping God and that's, that's what's forming our interior lives and that's what's informing our interior lives. And so with liturgy being the school of prayer, we need to learn how to both pray, pub, pray well publicly. So pray well with public prayer. There we go. Pray well with public prayer and let the liturgy and good, um, good resources from the church inform us on how our personal life should be. And so I do think that in that, in that light, the, um, the thesis of save the liturgy, save the world does hold, does hold some kind of water that, you know, if you improve the liturgy, you're necessarily going to improve public prayer and that'll, um, incline people to have improved, uh, personal prayers, and if the law of prayer is the law of belief, then improved prayer is going to result in, in higher belief and higher faith, which is going to result in higher morality and higher levels of virtue, which is you know going to result in a strengthening of the church, a strengthening of the soul vessel by which grace comes to the world. And so a strengthening of the church, like I said, is a strengthening of the vessel by which grace comes to the world is going to strengthen um, God's relationship with the world. You could you could make that you could make that claim. I mean, it's got a few steps to that syllogism, but I, I think you can validly make that claim. But you ne- can't necessarily say that it necessitates an improvement of the world. But I think the only place where it doesn't necessitate an improvement is the fact that better worship doesn't necessitate better interior devotion. And if you let your public worship inform your interior devotion and you you learn how to share spirituality as opposed to sharing a fan club for a particular rite that's where real progress is going to be made in the church but more importantly within your own personal spiritual life and you will learn how to spiritually advance and the church will be will be uh successful in her mission you know particularly with with your soul if you take this to heart so anyway this is my this is my end of the correspondence, Kevin. I'm interested to see what kind of see what kind of roast you got coming my way, and maybe we can rap battle it out sometime. Actually, Kevin is super good at freestyling, and I'm 
absolutely horrible at freestyling. So maybe we'll get Kevin to freestyle sometime and we can do a pseudo rap battle. Anyway, I look here, uh, look forward to hearing back from you soon, Kevin.